Welcome to the KCAST Podcast. I'm Chris Eckenroth. Today we are in Revelation chapter 11. If you're looking for some light reading, this is not it. So we're going to be digging in, praying for the Holy Spirit to teach us. Let's do that right now. Holy Father, thank you for your word. Would you enlighten our minds through your scriptures? Give us understanding, Lord. We believe that you gave us this word that we might have further understanding and a deeper revelation of your son, the Lord Jesus. So, Lord, help us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Revelation chapter 11, beginning in verse 1, it says this, Then I was given a reed like a measuring rod. So this is John speaking. He is giving a reed. It's basically a measuring stick. And the angel stood, saying, Rise and measure the temple of God. So John is instructed to measure the temple of God. And you say, well, why does he need to measure it? It's, it's basically remembering or taking the people who would read this back to the words uh, spoken in the book of Zechariah. Zechariah, in chapter 2 of his book, was instructed to measure Jerusalem. It was meant to be an assurance to the people of God at that time that the city would be rebuilt, that the city would be restored. As we are now still kind of between the sixth and seventh seals, John is instructed to measure the temple. This is meant to be a reassurance in the midst of all the difficulties associated during this time that God's temple, more specifically, the plan of redemption as portrayed through God's temple, was and is secure. No matter what's going on in life, the cross, Jesus has paid it all. His blood does wash all sin clean. So no matter what's going on, there's meant to be assurance that God's people are safe and secure in him. Verse 2 says this, But leave out the court which is outside the temple, for it has been given to the Gentiles. So don't measure that part. Don't measure the, the portion of the outer court reserved for the Gentiles. Understood here, the word Gentiles is to mean non-believers. Those who have not, on purpose, they have not accepted Christ. They do not want to be a follower of the God of Israel. They do not want to be part of spiritual Israel. And they, the group of people who reject Christ, reject a relationship with the Lord, they will tread the holy city. Understood more clearly, they will tread, they will walk upon God's people underfoot for 42 months. According to the year-day principle taken from the Old Testament, applied often here, certainly the book of Revelation, also the book of Daniel, 42 months is actually 1,260 days. And according to that year-day principle, that would be 1,260 years. In other words, those who reject Christ on purpose will walk upon, will persecute God's people for a period of 1260 years. Now, again, this is another study for another time, but if you jump back to the book of Daniel, 
we'll discover that that time period was 538 until 1798, a period of 1260 years where God's people were persecuted and brought into the most traumatic times resulting in, in so many martyrs. Verse 3, And I will give power to my two witnesses, and they will prophesy 1,260 days clothed in sackcloth. These are the two olive trees and two lampstands standing before the God of the earth. So let's get some definitions here. I will give power, verse 3, to my two witnesses. What does it mean by my two witnesses? Some commentators say, well, two witnesses, Old and New Testament. Uh, uh, is, it, is it Moses and Elijah, you know, the law and the prophets? I would suggest to you today that the two witnesses, the two witnesses that, that testify to who God is and what he is all about is God's word. His Old Testament and his New Testament. And the Bible says during this 1260 year period when God's people are being persecuted, it says this, that they or God's word, the Old and New Testament, will prophesy during this time clothed in sackcloth. Sackcloth was was specifically uh, imagery or an act to indicate that somebody was mourning. And I believe here that it's talking about that God's word was in mourning during those 1260 years as the people on the earth are giving much preference to human tradition over the word of God. Verse 4, these are the two olive trees. Now that takes us to Zechariah chapter 4. If you, if you get a chance, slide over there and read that sometime soon. Amazing picture of the power of the Spirit. Not by might nor by power, but, my, but by my Spirit, says the Lord. And the two lampstands standing before the God of heaven. Two olive trees, we think of oil. We think uh, of the Holy Spirit. Uh, lampstands takes us back to Revelation chapter 1, talking about his church. What is this talking about? I believe it's talking about God's people empowered by the Holy Spirit who are clinging to what? The entire word of God. It's the word of God. Verse 5, if anyone wants to harm them, fire proceeds from their mouth and devours their enemies. And if anyone wants to harm them, he must be killed in this manner. Verse 6, these have power to shut heaven so that no rain falls in the days of their prophecy. And they have power out of waters to turn them to blood and to strike the earth with all plagues as often as they desire. Two specific instances are noted here. Once when Elijah says it's not going to rain, not until my word, and it didn't rain for three and a half years. Again, Moses is cited here talking about the water to blood as he went to Pharaoh and said, thus saith the Lord, let my people go. If you don't, then this will happen. It speaks to the idea of God's people being empowered through the Holy Spirit in the midst of holding on to living out his word. Verse 7, when they finished their testimony, what is that? In other words, at the end of the 1260-year period, believed to be 1798, the beast. Now, John talks about this as if like, oh yeah, the beast. Like, we just all kind of know who that is. It's not exactly clear here. That ascends out of the bottomless pit 
will make war against them, overcome them, and kill them. Now, this is a little bit more difficult to understand, but as I've done some reading, commentators, some commentators have assigned this to France. Specifically, getting into kind of the late 1700s, as as atheism was becoming immensely popular, especially in France. And and commentators said, well, it sends out of the bombless pit. It's just like this country that's just unsupported. It's not this major nation or anything. It's just one kind of smaller country there that did gain some prominence, for sure, under Napoleon and all that he did. Still in verse 7 says, we'll make war against them, overcome them, and kill them. Speaking of persecution, verse 8, and their dead bodies will lie in the street of the great city. Great city, which is, which spiritually is called Sodom and Egypt. Great city. Commentators say that the great city, France, this nation, which toward the close of the 1260-year period, to the close of the 18th century, manifested many of the characteristics symbolized by Sodom and Egypt. Sodom, of course, is symbolic of moral degradation. Egypt, uh, symbolic and known for its denial of the existence of one true God. Commentators say that France fits the bill because of its steep moral decline and because of its denial, strong denial and growth of atheism during that time. It says this, verse 9, Then those from uh, the people's tribes, tongues, and nations will see their dead bodies three and a half days and will not allow their dead bodies to be put into the grave. Again, just reading, trying to dig and understand this for myself, found that there was a period in French revolutionary history, about a three and a half year period, interestingly enough, November of 1793 to June of 1797, three and a half years roughly, when a decree was issued in Paris that abolished religion. About a three and a half year period. It says this in verse 10, And those who dwell on the earth will rejoice over them, make merry, and send gifts to one another, because these two prophets tormented those who dwell on earth the earth. In other words, it would seem that those who are coming against Scripture, the Word of God, these two witnesses during this period, the Old and New Testament, are congratulating themselves. They're celebrating what has been uh, been able to have been accomplished because they've been able to, in their minds, um, smother and put out the Word of God and religiosity, as it were. Verse 11, Now, after the three and a half days or three and a half years, the breath of life from God, oh man, it takes us back to Genesis, entered them. Who? The two witnesses. Remember, they were just kind of lying as if they were were dead and on the ground there. And it says this, and they stood on their feet. In other words, life was restored to these two witnesses. Life was restored to the word of God. Old and New Testament. When? After this 1260 year period. Sometime after 1798. And great fear fell on those who saw them. 
And they heard a loud voice from heaven saying to them, come up here. We stop there for a second and we say, all right, well, what exactly is this talking about? Well, remember, it's after 1798. The word of God. Did anything happen? Well, interestingly enough, it doesn't take much research to, di- research to discover that in the 19th century, in the 1800s, there was a remarkable change as the word of God gained immense popularity. The scriptured uh, enjoyed unprecedented, seemingly worldwide interest. The British Bible Society was founded. The the Foreign Bible Society were founded. Both of those were founded in 1804. The American Bible Society was organized in 1816. The scriptures were being translated into different languages left and right, into more than 1,500 languages. As a spiritual awakening took place, and the Bible experienced its widest circulation Believed, why does circulation to date? In other words, life is again given to the Word of God as the Bible is now looked upon and believed and held onto by so many as the true Word of God. Verse 12 And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying to them, to these two witnesses, Come up here. And they ascended to heaven in a cloud, and their enemies saw them. What is this talking about? You may remember when Jesus rose from the dead, and and Mary Magdalene saw Jesus, and she came and held on to his feet and his robe, and Jesus says, you can't hold on to me right now, because I have not yet ascended to my Father and your Father. In other words, I'm going to my God, and I'm going to your God. I've got to go and take my rightful place to receive my kingdom, all authority given to me in heaven and earth. Could it be also that the Bible is pointing out that for so long the scriptures have been minimized, the scriptures have been put aside, they've been rejected, but now the word of God has been given life and it is time for the word of God to take its rightful place. Verse 13, in the same hour there was a great earthquake and a tenth of the city fell, and the earthquake, 7,000 people were killed, and the rest were afraid, and gave glory to the God of heaven. Commentators believe that this is talking about the huge military and political unrest and upheaval there in France in the late 1700s that was used to wake people up from the atheistic view and wake them up for their need of God. Verse 14. The second woe is past. Behold, the third woe is coming. Verse 15, we get to the seventh trumpet. We've kind of been in a hiatus there between the sixth and the seventh. Now we come to the seventh trumpet. Then the seventh angel sounded, and there was loud voices in heaven saying, The kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. And the 24 elders who sat before God on their thrones fell on their faces and worshiped God, saying, We give you thanks, O Lord God Almighty, the one who is, the one who was, and the one is to come, because you have taken your great, your power and reign. Verse 18. The nations were angry, and your wrath has come. The time of the dead, that they should be judged, and that you should reward your servants, the prophets, and the saints, and those who fear your name, small and great, 
and shall destroy those who destroy the earth. Verse 19. Then the temple of God was opened in heaven, and the ark of the covenant, ark of his covenant, was seen in his temple. And there were lightnings, noises, thunderings, and an earthquake, and great hail. What we see highlighted here in the seventh trumpet is the temple of God is wide open. We see that the ark of his covenant is seen in the temple. It's in plain view. You'll remember that inside the Ark of the Covenant are a number of things, but predominantly, mainly, the Ten Commandments. You see, I believe, it is believed, that when we get past this 1260-year period, go a little bit further, we get to the mid-1800s, specifically about the year 1844, This seventh trumpet is blown, and we enter into the final, final chapter, final time in earth's history, and Christ goes into his temple, the most holy place, to finish his work of ministry. Of course, what it says here is the time of the dead, that they should be judged. That's verse 18. Every record has gone over. The, the names are written and Christ stands in the place of those who have accepted him and says, he is mine. She is mine. Those who are righteous, let them be righteous still. Those who are lost, let them be lost still. The time of judgment is taking place from that time until the time when Christ comes back. And John's vision of the ark John's vision of the Ark of the Covenant that holds the Ten Commandments above everything else argues that in earth's last hours, God's great law, the foundation of his government, is to be central in the thinking and in the lives of all who who seek to serve God in spirit and in truth. Revelation chapter 11 really boils down to one thing. It's about the Word of God. I'm reminiscent about the word spoken by David in Psalm 119.105. Your Word. Your Word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. May we serve and follow Jesus in spirit and in truth by clinging, submitting, and obeying His Word. Thanks so much for listening to the KCAST podcast. We'll talk to you soon.